Welcome back to Fully Clip. Jonathan Wall here. Join us all as well, my guys, Andrew Tursky and Chris McCormick, bringing you the latest gear news, like always. Fellas, how we doing? Doing well, doing well. I'm home. It's like two weeks in a row. It's weird. I don't know that's, what to think about it. That's very odd, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get the itch. I'm starting to, my eyes twitching, starting to kind of shake back and forth going, when's my next flight? When's my next flight? The energy but feels Tursky. off now that you're you're home. Yeah. You're in a hotel room. Yes, sir. Days in, baby. Days in. Living large out on the road. Not even a sponsor. That's free public. Waiting right for there. that days in sponsorship now. <laughs> I actually thought I actually thought that Chris's uh, background. So Chris is sitting here for people that are listening to the pod. He has a spyglass pin flag and an Arnold Palmer. Bay Hill Invitational pin flag behind him. I thought maybe it was like a Zoom background and I was going to hear the TSA lady <laughs> blaring in the background. <laughs> I just expect you to be doing these from the airport, Chris. Yeah, I, I I don't know how it is that I always, like inevitably, end up with a flight right at the time that we're going to record. Don't I look, you know? I late in the afternoon. Don't you know when we're then... going to record? Well, that's the thing. Like, I'll, I'll try and book one late in the afternoon, and then we push our recording, or I try and book one in the morning, and then it's like, uh, 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 uh just kidding. We're going to record early. But it, inevitable. It's like, damn it, I'm in an airport again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have, man, we have a we have a ton to get through this week. No interview, but I actually think that's kind of a blessing in disguise because we're going to probably talk about gear. There are a lot of hot topics probably within the next hour and change. But before we get into the topics, as always, I want to let you know that this week's episode of Fully Equipped is brought to you by Arnold Palmer Spike. Yes. There's no better way to celebrate, celebrate a life well played than Arnold Palmer Spike. It's the classic taste of iced tea and lemonade you already know and love with 5% alcohol by volume, made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easygoing as the icon that made it famous. The icon that made it famous, actually, let us let me talk about this for a second because that icon, Arnold Palmer, had a, a run-in with a, a sinewy young Andrew Tursky back in the day. I saw <laughs> this video, icon. Tursky passed, <laughs> passed it along. So before we get out of this out of this ad read right here, Tursky, what, you want to talk a little bit about your experience hanging out with the king? So big shout out to my mother, Susan Tursky, for going through the old videos, bringing this one back up. But yeah, when I was a, I was a senior in high school and the county championship was coming up, I was defending champion. No big deal. But no I, big came deal. Down, no I came down. I came down with mono and like literally oh. the day, literally the day before counties. So I go to the doctor. He's like, obviously you can't. Like, you can't go play. You can't even walk. You can't breathe. And I was like, well, <laughs> listen, Doc, I'm, I'm defending champ. I got to go. I yeah, got to go. Suck play. it up. It'll be fine. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> so I go out there. I'm like sleeping between holes. But I end up, make, <laughs> I end up making a bunch of birdies. Um, There's this one, one kid. We always, we were kind of rivals. Alex Edford. I'm sure he does not listen to this podcast. But in case sure he, does, he does, big, big shout out to you. I did end up beating by a stroke and oh. like a month Sorry, or two Alex. later, like a month or two later, they were like, yeah, we're going to award the trophy 
um, at this Callaway Learning Center that we have down the road. And Arnold Palmer is going to be giving the trophy just randomly for like the Somerset County golf high school champion. So I get wow. up on, I get up on stage. I'm walking across. They call me up, kind of tell the story and I'm going to shake Arnold Palmer's hand. He's going to wish me congratulations. And he was like, you look like a human one iron. Cause I was, <laughs> I was rail thin. I was like six foot two, 125 pounds. <laughs> 125 so, soaking wet dude you, you I mean, looked like a bean pole you still do look like a bean pole but i know man. the thinnest person of all time but yeah so people were calling me the human one iron for a while after that i think people had forgotten the video kind of went away but my mom dug it back up and i am the human one iron me and arnie just two buddies up there hanging out on stage chirping each other it's great cool. please tell me that video's going on social Oh, we got to post it. We'd have to post it. Yeah, you got to post that video. Yeah. We're going to post it on Fully Equipped. I will post it. I have the video. Thanks, Tursky, for all right, texting all right. it. So it's there. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll post it. Was that your coolest encounter from when you played golf? I mean, yeah. Arnold, Arnold Palmer like yeah. chirped me personally about my weight, and I got to shake his hand. He also handed me a, a signed um, flag, like the one Chris has behind him. So, yeah. That has to be the coolest interaction from my playing career, at least my professional career. Ah, even then, I mean, Arnie's the king. So anytime you have a personal interaction with him, everyone has an Arnie story that's met him. I mean, he's just the off the cuff, sure. like super funny guy. That's it's, it, it, it's tough to beat that. The fact that Arnie chirped <laughs> and like you have that. Like that's, I know. that's, that's pretty awesome. I, yeah. I, I gotta say I'm, I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous. Oh, look there, Chris. I was wondering what he was going to pull. Holy oh, yes, smokes. Come, that is a, has come right over the top of me. 2000. Oh my goodness. That thing is huge. Where'd you get that, Chris? Uh, I've had it for years. I just got it framed. Custom framing is not, it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. So yeah. now that I actually have an office to hang it in, this one might be, uh, might be behind me next week when we uh, when we dial in the pod here. That's beautiful. Unless unless I'm yeah. in an airport. Looks good. All right. Well, back to our friends at Arnold Palmer Spiked. As always, if you want to check out more about <coughs> Arnold Palmer Spiked, you can go to their website. It is arnoldpalmerspiked.com backslash fully equipped. You can check them out on Drizzly and Instacart. And again, arnoldpalmerspiked.com backslash fully equipped. If you want to look for more. 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. As always, celebrate responsibly. If anyone thinks we're not true Arnold Palmer guys, they got another thing coming. We got, oh, we got flags. We got stories. Like, we're, 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 as we're legit gonna turn, as it we're comes. Gonna turn, we're going to turn these ad reads into, into almost like a full-blown segment. Each one has always kind of had some sort of fun spin on it. So There's, there's always, actually, absolutely spin opportunities there. Yeah. For sure. Always love those. Uh, love the Arnold Palmer Spike family. Thanks again for sponsoring Fully Equipped. All right. 46-inch driver is now a thing. Oh, the boy. USGA and the RNA. We're getting right into officially, it. Huh? Officially announced on Tuesday that they're going to put a cap on driver length. Now, this isn't a big deal for, for I'd say, 99.9% .9 of professional golfers. But there are a few guys that got a got their feathers ruffled 
when the when the USGA and the RNA made this announcement. One of them, one of our favorite guys, Phil Mickelson. <laughs> you knew you knew Lefty was going to have something to say about this. He's he speaking to people that have been chirping. Phil's been chirping the USGA for a little so while now. Hard. Yeah, really hard. I mean, what was what I was his like, like? No filter, just letting it rip on. <laughs> so, so he initially comes out with that that whole analogy. What was it about with ice like cream. crime? Wasn't it wasn't it crime and ice cream and um like it was it was like a really weird one. And and you're kind of wondering where Phil's going with this. Well, then the the announcement comes out and Phil fires off a tweet from his account. It's at Phil Mickelson. I'm sure everybody follows him. I don't even know why I gave him a shout out there. And the tweet says, stupid is as stupid does, Mrs. Gump. <laughs> really though, are the amateurs trying their best to govern the professional game, the stupid ones, or the professionals <laughs> for letting them? So so Phil's obviously not a fan. The reason why I would venture guests to say this is he won the PGA Championship at the age of 50, becoming the oldest major winner ever with a 47.9-inch Callaway Epic Speed Driver. Now you win a major with a club that's now going to be uh, banned, and we'll get to why it's going to be banned in the professional ranks in a minute. You're gonna, you're probably going to be a little bit peeved. And, and Phil, I think, is, is peeved for, for one because his driver won't, will no longer be legal if he wanted to use that, that driver in the future. And... And two, I think he was looking at it through through a different lens, trying to say, is this really the best way to grow the game? Is this really the best way to, you know, you, you want to try and cap driver distance or, you know, distance off the tee. Is this the best way to go about it by, by capping the length of the shaft? And, you know, I think you have some different camps, but, but Tursky, you were, you are, you, I should say, you are on site in Vegas at CJ Cup. You had a chance to talk to a lot of the pros. And you, I'll be honest, I thought a lot of guys would pretty much say, not a big deal, don't really care. But but there were some guys that you spoke to, some big names that said, hey, look, I, I'm, <laughs> I really don't agree with this, with this new rule, one of them being Justin Thomas. I mean, there's two sides, pretty much. Every PGA Tour player is on. One side is indifference, they don't care. The other side is that they hate it. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly what the USGA is necessarily trying to accomplish here. Like they, like they said, I mean, 3% of professionals use a driver longer than 46 inches. That's their research. And I think just anecdotally, I mean, we know that Phil Mickelson plays the longer driver shaft. We know that Victor Hovland kind of experimented with one, but other than that, but other than that, I mean, people haven't really played him in competition. So it's kind of like we're addressing an issue that's not necessarily an issue, and that's kind of where it, most tour players are coming from. Um, <clears throat> Justin, Justin Thomas, you brought up, yeah, he came right out and said, yeah, I don't really agree with it. Like just straight up, he doesn't agree with it. It's harder to hit it straight is a lot of the points that uh, people were making. So it's like it's kind of one of those more power to you. If you can hit a 47-inch driver, you should be allowed to hit the 47-inch driver. And I think this also kind of turns off um, amateurs from using a build that's longer. Like we talked to Scott Williams, super passionate guy, kind of into golf equipment. He uses what? What do you say? A 47 inch driver? Cause he's six, eight, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. 
in terms of fitting a driver, I think you should be able to fit yourself into the best driver for you possible. And if, if it's going to allow you to enjoy the game and play better, like Kevin Kisner said, he said, if any rule makes golf harder, I don't want to do it. He's like, I don't support anything that makes golf harder. It's hard enough. So it's like, we're focusing on, on the pros. We're solving a problem. That's not really a problem. And then I know like amateurs are still allowed to play longer shafts because it's just a local rule that the PGA tour is implementing, but it turns people off. It's like, no, I don't want to do anything that's not allowed on the pro circuit. Yeah. I, I did like what Dustin Johnson said. He, he was, you got him to give a quote saying, my opinion is more, I don't think it matters what length someone uses because the longer the driver gets, the harder it is to hit the straight. So if you yep. could hit a 48 inch driver and keep it on the planet, then more power to you. I've tested with them and yeah, it goes further, but it also goes a lot more crooked. You lose a lot of control. So for me, I don't think it's necessary. Um, and I kind think of a kind funny, of a general... uh, we were, we were kind of, <laughs> we were kind of standing around after I interviewed him. I, you know, turned the, the recorder off and he's like, does anyone even like use one out here? And I was like, well, <laughs> Phil, I was like, well, Phil won the PGA at a 47.9 inches and he was like ah oh, well that's phil like he probably hits it straighter than a normal driver like he doesn't count <laughs> victor hoffman had no idea that, that phil won the won the pga when i when i talked to him in stillwater and i asked him if he had you know what he thought about phil winning with 47.9 and if that had kind of reignited his you know interest in testing longer driver length and he's like really phil won with a longer driver like they don't had, they don't read golf.com they don't read golf.com seriously but it's like, <laughs> that's it's, insane it's not, to me yeah i mean but it but seriously though it is it is one of those things where we've talked about it how much does does a guy winning with a certain club how much does that generate interest out on tour and there you there you go a guy wins a major with with a driver that's just below the legal limit nobody cares a lot a lot of the guys even knew what was going on so and that's why i think this rule is is not going to be a big deal I, I think recreational golfers probably saw it and said hold up so are you telling me I can't use a longer length driver? No, that's not what they're saying. The USGA and the RNA made this very specific. This rule is called a model local rule, which means that tournament organizers and tours can implement this rule beginning next year. Now, we wondered who was going to implement it. We knew the USGA was because they confirmed all 14 of their, of their national championships will have this rule in place. Now, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be going, man, I'm losing my 47 or 48 inch driver. I, yeah, I don't think many of the, the AMs in the field are probably playing anything longer than like 45 and three quarters, maybe 46, um, maybe but, 46, maybe 46. But we were wondering if the PGA tour, because it's run by the players, they don't have to implement this rule. They could have their own set of rules if they wanted to. And lo and behold, the PGA tour says in a statement, we're going to accept this rule. Now, why is that interesting? One, because the tour is going to do it for all tournaments beginning in January 1 of 2022. So we're not that far off from this becoming a thing. But here's where it gets really interesting because Phil says in a tweet that was just tweeted probably about an hour before we recorded this pod, he said, it is extremely disappointing to find out that the PGA Tour adopted the new USGA rule through the media. So Phil found out about this rule mm. through the media not through, you know, channels at the tour or his fellow players. I don't know of any player who had any say of 
or any kind of representation in this matter, I do know many are wondering if there is a better way. Now that that really made my ears perk up because I thought for sure that the player advisory council would would loop players in. I would I mean I'm, I assumed when the tour made this statement and said we're going to be adopting this rule that players were on board, but Phil saying had no clue. Well, That's I think what we we've had what eight players comment on it now, all either negative or indifferent on the rule. Yep. I mean, I'm hearing nothing positive about it like yes finally like this was a huge problem so i would be surprised if if they did talk to a representative from the pga tour who had like the player's interest in mind going forward with that rule did they just assume that players just wouldn't care i mean phil's like a a one of one that you know you know phil's probably going to chirp about it but everybody else is probably not going to care so let's just move ahead But I think what Stuart Sink, I talked to Stuart Sink about this. What he said I thought was pretty interesting. He said, I don't think it's going to make a huge impact. To me, it seems like there's other areas if they want to address distance. The length of the shaft is probably not the main thing. It's probably just the safest one from a legal standpoint. Bingo. That's an interesting perspective. I think he hit the nail on the head with that one. He did. He 100% did. I'll personally That's... comment no further, I suppose, but I think he, <laughs> well, I think he probably yeah. nailed it. There's things he, going he... on behind the scenes that are making it hard to to decrease distance. You're you're gonna you're gonna run into a lot of problems, and, and I agree. It's it's probably not worth it to go too far down this road. Let's be but careful. We've dis- here, we've, boys. we've discussed this. We've discussed this before on the podcast, though, so this isn't new. But I did mention when they were going through all of these potential changes to curb distance, I said that the safest one out there was the shaft. And I, I think we all three agreed that of the proposed changes that they were talking about, that was the most realistic because you can do it. You can say you did something, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily have to really get into those waters with the major manufacturers. When you start messing with their business, that becomes a problem. So curbing, you know, curbing the length of a shaft, you're not messing, you're not messing with their product very much. But yeah, I I think Stuart Sink nailed it. This is this is kind of the the safe play here. And you say you did something, but you just you're not maybe going all the way. I also have yeah, a question from oh, go ahead, Chris. Please. I was just gonna me. say it's 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 making a statement without necessarily ruffling too many feathers. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Jay Wallets, you look at the manufacturers and every year when they launch these new drivers and new metal woods, it's an arms race. I mean, USGA is restricted essentially every aspect of how fast a golf ball can leave the center of the face. So now what else do they have to do? It's re-engineering with multi-material construction. It's distribution of internal weight. It's make the ball go further when you miss it. And if they start dialing back the face or dialing back the ball, now it's reverse engineering heads. And after they've spent all these millions and millions of R&D dollars to get the ball to go further when you miss it, and they start to dial it back, yeah, that's that's definitely going to ruffle feathers. So, Chris, I got a quick question. This is like a fitting building type question, but how are they going to measure 46 inches, first of all, and then what if you're playing a 46-inch driver? You make an adjustment to like the hosel or lie angle that increases the length, and now you're at 46.05 unknowingly. 
like thinking your driver was at the limit and then it extends because you made an adjustment. Like, is that possible? Oh, it's absolutely possible. I mean, especially when you look at like a, a Mitchell table ruler and if you look at any of the measuring devices, unless they are using the exact same measuring device at every single event, there's going to be discrepancies. I mean, there is no machine out there that measures exactly the same every single time across the board. And depending upon how you measure, I mean, there's companies out there that will measure a golf club differently than another company. So you may take a, let's just say, for example, a tailor-made golf club, measure it at TaylorMade and it comes out at 45.75 and then you take it right up the road to Callaway and you put it on their measuring device and now lo and behold that measures out at 46 and an eight so it's it's just interesting that as of right now there's not a standardized way to measure anything just like there's no industry standard for flex there's no industry standard for loft or grind or bounce or how you measure any of that so it starts to beg the question of, okay, well, if we're going to do these restrictions, what is the accepted uniform way to measure? I mean, they're all going to have to adopt something uniform, like especially on those tour trucks. Like you can't take that risk. You can't send a player up there with a driver that you think might be 45.9, but it's actually 46 and a quarter. Like exactly, they're going to have I mean, to have access or implement um, that measuring system, whatever they use on the first tee or wherever they're measuring it. Like they're well, going to have to, because you can't take that risk. They, they are going to have to come up with something. So, I mean, even in our studios, I mean, we use Mitchell machines, which are, which are essentially the, the gold standard benchmark of how to measure golf clubs. And there's discrepancies and inconsistencies, Mitchell machine to Mitchell machine. So whether it be digital or analog, or uh, there's a lot that goes into just human influence of how you actually put the golf club into the rig to measure it. And you could have three different people measure the exact same golf club and potentially get three different measurements. Why is so that though? Shouldn't it be a fact? Isn't like length a fact? You would think. Why is it so I subjective? Mean, like what's the difference between what you see, what I see and what J-Wall sees when it comes to measuring length? Like what's the, what's well, the issue there? Can you explain? I mean, I'll, I'll answer your question with another question. It's if you go to a clothing retailer and you buy a 32-inch waist, do all 32-inch waists fit the same? I mean, there's some pants that yeah, I mean, you it, would it think. It depends on the material. You know, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. They're not not all 32s fit the same. It I don't know. 32-inch waist is too big for me. Just ask Arnold Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been a 32-inch waist since, like, elementary school. <laughs> but I get your but point. It, no, it's... Uh, it's just so visually, if we were to put a golf club into a loft fly machine and how we set it up to where the scoring lines look square, the sole sits square, the face sits square, and how we start to measure that, our visual perception of what square is could be different between the three of us. So, I mean, there's always a little bit of human element involved with these different measuring devices. That's why a lot of the OEMs will use a, a digital bullseye machine. They literally put the golf club into the machine, press a button, and there is no human involvement when it comes to measuring where that golf club is in relationship to its measurements that's produced. So this is just going to create more headaches now. I mean, they're, they're already doing CT testing and, you know, the, the, the 
that really depends on the machine because each CT machine is gonna gonna depending on the last time that it was calibrated, you know, might produce it might produce a different CT number. Yeah. And now we're talking about the possibility of a guy getting a you know forty five and three quarters on one truck and then being just over forty six. I mean, that just sounds like a major headache. Can I put it my tinfoil hat on real quick? Oh, oh somebody it. else put the hat Let's on. Do it. Just, real, just real quick. Let's get the hat on. I'm, I'm ready for this guy. Do you guys think the USGA is ever even going to measure the length of drivers? I feel like this announcement was just for the look. Like They're going to they're gonna hear. They're going to talk to people like Chris. They're going to be like, wow. Like, what did we get ourselves into? They're going to be like, whatever. We're just not going to say anything. Like, we're not going to be I mean, drivers too long. Who cares? You know, behind the scenes, Pandora's like, box. I, guarantee, I guarantee they're having meetings about that. And some yeah, people are I, like, I'm why, why would we even actually measure it? Like, we just scared everyone with the announcement. They're yeah. not going to use 47 inches now. I think they're probably yeah. right, too. No, I, I, I would agree. I, I, I wonder if this is just for, just for optics. You know, it looks, it looks good. I don't know. Maybe they will, but it just, it seems like a lot of extra, extra work, especially if guys are changing drivers, you know, it, it I don't, anyway. I can see beginning of the season <laughs> at new product launches there, like you said, Jay wall for the optics of it. If they're out there and they are doing spot checks or as players register, they're going through and making sure their equipment's conforming. And then it starts to taper off when the next hot button topic comes up and then nobody's talking about, oh, driver length anymore. They're going to go out there with a yardstick on the first thing. Just start yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're going to have a rules official with a table ruler in his <laughs> golf cart. Like, hey, uh, we need to, we need to, you've been randomly selected like TSA. Like, really? If I see a yardstick on the first tee, oh I'm God. walking out. That's it. That's it. Percy's done. done. He's 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 finished. He's seen it all. Hey, come on, hey, guy. We're gonna 45 inches, man. <laughs> you see how bad my duck hook is? I can't hit a 47 inch driver. Come on. Now Phil Phil's gonna get back in the gym. He's gonna do more calf raises. He's gonna be yeah. fine. He's gonna get as close <laughs> to 46 as possible. You know, you know he is. Just just to make the USGA work a little work a little bit. They might only measure Phil's driver though, because he's got a target on his back now. He's been just attacking him. It wouldn't Do you think he's gonna be getting an exemption in the future if if he needed one? I don't think the USGA is gonna be bending over backwards to give him if he ever needs if he ever needs an exemption. Although I don't know if, if Phil would even take it at this point. Is that why he hates the USGA so much? Because he hasn't won the US Open. Ooh, I don't. I I think I think he's this just, is getting tinfoily. Can we go to the next subject? <laughs> hey, you already <laughs> said you were putting the hat on. I know. We, we, you we, started, we spent a fair amount of time talking about forty six. So bottom line, if you're if you're an average golfer out here, you don't carry a tour card, and you're listening to this podcast. This does not bother you, unless unless you're unless you're you know. Local tournament wants to put this in play, and you already play something over forty six. Don't don't worry about it. You're fine. So, uh, but I'm sure there's going to be more to come from from this uh, from this news from the USGA and RNA, especially if Phil Mickelson has anything to do with it. But anyway, Vegas, baby, we're back Let's in Vegas. Turski back on the you're strip. At the, you're at the CJ Cup. I'm sure you're probably at the craps table last night. You you did get a little bit of work done, man. Or a lot of work. It was a big you content. Unearthed, you, you unearthed some gems. Yep. Yesterday, 
One of them being Adam Scott's irons. What's going on? Woo! Have you seen these things? You guys both they're, seen them? They're beautiful. Beautiful. Oh. oh my God. So obviously Adam Scott has been playing the 680 forged irons for years now. He originally played Decades. in, in 2003. He first put them in the bag. Um, he was obviously changing irons like throughout the years. I think he put in 710 MBs, 681s, um, AP2s. He tried all sorts of other irons, ended up coming back to the 680s. The dude loves offset. I was, I was talking to him yesterday. It looks kind of weird on, on a blade, <laughs> but you're right. He does. He likes offset. He loves it. It does look weird on a blade, man. God. But um, I think everyone who kind of loves classic irons loves the 680s. Adam Scott is absolutely in that group of people. So obviously Titleist, I'm sure they want him to get into new product. I'm sure Adam Scott wants to change into fresher iron so he can get new grooves. But he doesn't like 620 MBs, not enough offset for him. Super blady, not enough offset. He likes what he likes. He said he's very picky. So they built him a one-on-one set. No big deal. <laughs> They're basically exact replicas of the 680s, according to him at least. Um, I mean, you could see some differences. Obviously, the material is probably a little different. I'm sure there's a little bit more forgiveness in there than there was in 2003. I think Titleist has probably learned how to make a slightly more forgiving blade at this point. But they look pretty spot on close to 680s. And they're called the 681.AS, assuming the AS stands for Adam Scott. The 681.AS forged irons from Titleist, one-on-one set. Now, Adam Scott, very cool irons. He wants a different look. Justin Thomas, now he was influencing the 620 MBs. He kind of helped design them. A little birdie told me, I won't reveal my sources, but I think he might have a one-on-one set in the bag this week as well. What's with these one-on-one sets like popping up? Titleist. Everybody wants to be special, Wild. Jay Wall. There's got to be a bigger <laughs> story here. There's definitely a bigger story here. But we got one-on-one sets flying out in Vegas right now. It's great. Nothing's more exciting than one-offs, in my opinion. Except for the fact that, you know, if you're if you're sitting at home looking at photos, you know you're never, never going to be able to get these irons. Never going to be able to get them. Sorry. It's a little bit disappointing, but it is disappointing. I, I I was posting some photos of that Tursky shot from Vegas of, of these blades, and everybody's like, Oh my goodness, I'd buy these right away. That's the general yeah. consensus. Everybody wants them. But that's I mean, the thing. It's like you, you the, want uh, something that you can't have. Always exactly. It's inevitable. And it's but. like the six eighty one T's that Tiger used to play with the the T red. I, red I was gonna say it. you got you got the power of the people. I mean, they, uh, the tailor-made route of producing all of those proto-irons, and the next thing you know, you can go buy Tiger's irons because people wanted them. You know, you got the uh, the Pro V1X left dash. I mean, if people put up enough of a uh, enough of a fuss, Titleist might release something along those lines. Never know. Just make like 100 sets, sell them for literally $6,000 each. They're going to sell oh, out. They'd be, two they'd be gone anyway. in seconds. I know. And then as soon as they hit that buy, confirm, and then you look on eBay and they're on there for double. 
At least. And then they're on At there least. for quadruple four years down the road. Yep. Still in the plastic. Never been hit. Yep. So, so a bit of sad news as well. Do you want to keep talking about the Titleist no. Irons or do you want to move gonna, on? To... I was going to, tr- I was going to move on, but okay. let's do it. This is, this is a very sad story. Does everyone have their whiskey ready? We're going to pour one out. I have you. my Arnold Palmer spiked ready. Oh, you do? Yeah. Fired up. Love it. Fired let's, up. Let's pour a little out then. Pour, pour a this, little out for this. This is sad. Can we get like some sad music playing? Producer Mark, can we get like uh Producer oh, well, Mark's not. We'll, we'll add it in there. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, after a valiant effort from Harris English and the ping team to try to save the ping palm lock grip on Harris English's Scottsdale ho-hum putter. He has officially switched. <laughs> I'm not going to make it, guys. He has officially switched into a new, a brand new ping palm lock grip on his Scottsdale ho-hum putter. This is so disappointing. So disappointing. Over a decade. Over a decade yeah. relationship, it was a beautiful relationship. They made a lot of money together. Over they twenty good million times. dollars together. They had, they had good times. Over they had bad million. times. They had lots of, had lots had of good, good times. Very few they've, bad times. They've purchased mansions together, and that that road unfortunately has come to an end. And I'm sad to report the news, but I did have to report the news. Damn the man! You're just you're rest, just doing your rest job. In peace. Rest in peace to Harris English's oh, putter. Man. Damn you, whoever called in. That his putter exactly. Was, that his putter grip was flapping around, and it was actually illegal. That I mean, that's that, the crazy thing. That's is the it real issue the, right here, you call. snitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Call the snitch out. Let's let's place blame oh, where blame is due. Stop snitching. Snitch. Stop snitching. <laughs> yeah. It all started with a phone call. I mean, that. Do you think Harris is still using that grip? Heck yeah, he is. He's still using that grip to this day. If somebody doesn't snitch on him at the Ryder Cup, yep. Harris is like the coolest, happiest, like he's just happy-go-lucky guy. But he's underneath so the surface, he has to be so pissed. He's like, "Why? Like, why did you do that?" Well, and it's it's like the one thing that you just don't want to have to talk about <laughs> is is you, you know your putter grip. It's you just want to <laughs> be able to use your golf clubs in peace and not have. But it's like for the last three weeks. This is all we've been talking about. We've I've, I don't know how many stories I've now written on this on this flipping grip, but it started at the Ryder Cup. Somebody calls in, says, "Hey, this this grip is non-conforming." The Ryder Cup rules official and the PGA both go, "Yeah, you're going to need to fix it." So Davis Love comes in, performs some last-minute surgery. They get the grip with this tape on the on the butt end in place to kind of remove what what Harris he, he called it the the banana flap or the the material the rubber material just below or I guess I should say above the the core the firm core on the grip was starting to fray it was looking like a banana peel um so he gets it in place and then last week I wrote about how ping had saved the grip unfortunately that's no longer the case I was shocked when Tursky told me this because they they tore off that that layer, that last layer of the rubber, the frayed rubber, and then they did what we've seen JB Holmes do before. They took athletic tape and they wrapped it all the way up the grip to give it a uniform thickness. And JB doesn't use it for that reason. He uses that he uses the, the athletic tape to combat sweaty hands. 
And for Harris, it was just trying to salvage his grip. And I thought for sure they had done it. They they had created a couple of backups of the ping palm lock. Now Harris initially, from what from what Kent notes from from Ping Ping Stewart told me, they had done some work to the grip because Harris didn't like that initial sheen on a new grip. So they had they had taken the grips to a sand belt to kind of give it a little bit more of a worn look. But Tursky said that grip's new, so. Harris must not care that much about the the texture of the grip because he's now using a brand new palm lock. Yeah, I mean, based on what Kenton said, it was just a new grip. They did have sanded off versions. Um, I held it. It doesn't feel that slippery to me. I mean, it does. It looks like it's, it's actually a fat a little bit palm warm, lock grip. But maybe he's been he's been rolling with a, a few putts. And uh, yeah, so palm lock grip. Rest in peace. You made Harris Sad. a lot of money. Yep. It's a Sad so, day. Sad day. Yeah, we did our we did our moment of silence, so we can move on from uh, from that one. <laughs> but it is it is unfortunate, and man, this this one's kind of crazy. So we all know that pro golfers get a lot of gear, a lot of gear. I mean, literally, if you're especially if you're like a top fifty in the world guy, you can get whatever you want. I mean, we're we Tursky just proved it. Adam Scott has a set of one-on-one irons. Justin Thomas is getting a set of one-on-one irons. You know, and I think I'm sure if Harris English wanted, he could have gotten 100 grips in, in you know, in a matter of moments. He would add 100 putter grips there to, to be able to test. So you can get whatever you want. That is kind of a double-edged sword because it, it's, it's great in one sense because you can have all this gear at your disposal. It can also be a problem because the – just like this mountain of gear can can paralyze you a little bit and i'd get stuff you don't want too yeah yeah like, and you kind of have stuff to in your locker no. it's like you don't even yeah. want yeah you just you have to learn how to say no and, and i think that's what a lot of pros learn after their first year out on tour is the the free stuff is cool but it can become a problem so i say all this because i was talking to cat notes from ping and he told me that the week before shriners he normally talks to his to the tour staff just to kind of see how everybody's doing check in see if they need anything but he actually got a phone call so was, instead of him making the call he got a phone call from Joaquin Neiman and Joaquin Neiman was playing golf with Mito Pereira now uh, Neiman and Pereira are both from Chile and so they've been playing a lot of golf together they were down in Florida and Joaquin calls Kenton and says, Hey man, Mito has these wedges, these glide forge pro wedges. I've never seen these things before. Why, why have I not gotten a set of these wedges? And Kenton, like when we were talking, he was kind of laughing as he's saying this. He's like, I, I told Joaquin, I'm like, dude, we, we gave you these wedges. They're somewhere in your house underneath a mountain of other gear. You just probably don't know where they are now. So <laughs> Joaquin had been playing with, with Mito and he loved these wedges so much so that he's like, Hey, Kenton, I want you to build me a set of Glideforge Pro completely specked out like Mito's. He's like, well, Joaquin, you play X1s in your wedges. Mito plays S4. Yep. That's cool. I want to play S4s. Now his are black shafts. They're not, they're not chromed out like yours. Onyx. Nope. Don't care. Want the Onyx. All right, great. Um, okay. So you're going to want your tour velvet grips, right? I mean, you want to at least have your same grips. Nope. I want the same ones as him. Oh my Golf god! Pride multi multi compound grips. 
Um, okay, now wait a second. So you're going all the way through this. You're going to still want your same swing weight. I mean, you're like a D2, D3 guy, Mito's D4, D5. Nope. He wants to have your swing weight. He wanted everything specked out like Mito's wedges. The entire build down to the swing weight. And so one of the things that Kenton said that, that Joaquin really liked was he said that the heavier swing weight felt better in his hands. So he could feel the club head more during the swing. And so that was allowing him to just get better. It just He felt like he was more consistent with his yardages than he was with his own wedges. So Kenton build, built him this like Mito specked out set with different grips, which would bother me. I don't know about you guys, but oh. if, I have different, if I have different grips on a set of irons or wedges that aren't the same ones that I play throughout the set, I like, I'm a little OCD about that. It bothers me. Um, the, the swing weights, we talk about the importance of swing weight. No, not so much. You can, you can change it a little bit if you're, if you're walking Neiman, but it is kind of funny. We've, we've discussed this before. Tour pros on occasion, Snedeker and Kucher were two guys that for years they played. If you saw one guy with a, with a ping hybrid, Chances were the other guy had it or was going to get it. Same thing with fairways. Some players really do care what other guys are using. And, you know, if they're using something, they might at least test it. But here we go. We got a guy using another guy's wedges. I thought it was pretty funny. I wish I was there for that moment when he realized. He was like, damn you, Kenton. I haven't seen these damn wedges before. <laughs> he just looks in his bag. Thinking it's like brand He's new. just so like pissed. A PGA Tour rookie's getting getting wedges before him. Yeah, he's getting protos, oh, unreleased yeah. protos. But honestly, it kind of doesn't surprise me. I mean, going a little bit softer on the shaft and a little bit heavier, like that's kind of what you do with wedges, like when you're going to change yeah. your iron set. So maybe it just like worked that his setup was a little better for him. Now changing the grip, like that's insane. You got you got to match your you got to match your irons at least. You're, he's nuts. That that's where that's I draw what you the do, line. Chris? So I would absolutely send you guys into a, an OCD tailspin. I have three different grips uh, throughout my set. Whoa. Yep. Wow. Three different All grips. Right. Three, three different grips, three different textures. We need photos. I have two There's got to be a method G's. to your madness. I, you know, it's it's actually just kind of I build your laziness and it not necessarily laziness i like the feel of a tour wrap on my woods for full swing iron i like something that doesn't have a taper to it so i've got lampkin sonars on my irons and then on my wedges i've got mcc plus four it's a just a little firmer grip underneath my left hand and i i don't know it doesn't bother me i'm only swinging one club at a time you're a psychopath <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Nobody, nobody does that except for Chris. I've never heard of this in my life. Grips. I'm just not sensitive to grip. I don't know. I mean, I might have different grips uh, throughout my set, like when I'm testing and stuff, just because sometimes you can't get the grip you want, especially these days, or like it was already gripped up on a, on a shaft that you changed out that was from someone else's set or something like that. So you kind of learn, but when you like get set into your set, you gotta have the grips uniform, like no. Amen. I, I I think it probably just happened over over time, kind of like you said, getting so much product to yeah. test, and it just got out of control, and you just completely yeah. lost it's, it, and you're like, whatever, 
Uh, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, to the point to where it's like, might as well add whatever. more. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go shoot 75 with whatever grip that's on whatever club, and it just doesn't matter. Here we go. Let's go. The one that would make <laughs> sense to me is like uh, having a different grip on your 60, like because a lot of people don't wear a glove on their 60, so maybe you want like a cord or something that's a little bit tackier, but. Yeah, I've got I've got just a little Franken set going on over there. Not only is my bag like brand agnostic, but so is my grip selection. <laughs> Three grips. I thought yep. I thought that was I thought that was just in uh, was just a myth that people played more than than two. I didn't know it was a thing at all. I didn't know it was a myth. I didn't know it was a reality. I just. I, I didn't even give exist. a second thought until you guys started talking about it. And I was like, wait a second. And I'm looking over at my set in the corner of my office and I'm going, <laughs> shit, I've got three different grips throughout my set. <laughs> it's like realizing Bigfoot is real. I, I, yeah, I always thought it's... that was just a myth. People playing more than, more than, you know, even two grips. You got three. And, well, then I've, got, every I've day. got a random fourth one here. This is a, this is a different grip from the other three that are in the set. Well, that's for Tursky. But it was. It was laying in the shop, and I was like, "Don't be touching my club like that, Chris." Oh, buddy, you don't even want to know. Oh, buddy. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's all the gear news that we've got on CJ Cup. A little <laughs> bit from from Shriners. I think it's time to discuss the winter bag from the Shriners. Sung JM is your 2021 Shriners Children's Open champion. I mean, that guy plays a lot of golf. Respect to him. I, I, don't, I honestly don't think he takes weeks off. I think his like first year out on tour, I think he skipped like one or two events the entire year. Uh, I mean, that's crazy to be playing that much golf. But he loves it. So he is your champion. Wanted to go through the bag. He starts Titleist TSI2 driver with a graphite design tour ADDI 7X shaft at 8 degrees. 3-wood, TS3, Graphite Design Tour, ADDI 8X, 15 degrees, so pretty consistent, 7X to 8X in the same shaft. It even does the ADDI Hybrid at a 105X and is 818 H2 at 19 degrees. You don't, I mean, I will say this, you don't see a ton of guys going same product, same shaft product throughout all the woods. Normally, they, there's a little bit of difference within the line. At least I feel like more recently, it, it's not, I mean, you don't see a lot of guys go like Tour ADDI throughout the woods, driver, fairway, hybrid. So I thought that was kind of a little bit unique, although you can understand why he would do it because similar, similar, you know, feel, similar launch properties. You're, you know, you kind of, it's a known. So he knows what he's getting with those. I feel like they just spend more time like fitting each club individually now. Whereas before it was more like, all right, let's get the driver dialed in and then we'll take the same model, put in the three wood up at 10 grams take the same model up at 10 grams in the five wood and then kind of be done. Right. Whereas now they're like really dialing in their three wood and then they're testing seven woods and you know, there's just more that goes into it. They're really trying to hit spin rates and carry distances. Yeah. You've even got guys that play different shafts between three wood, five wood or between three, five, seven. Yeah. Just to get different launch windows, different feels, different characteristics out of it. Definitely more common now than 10 years ago. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> Continue. So, Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, no. It's that I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So you, you kind of did that for me. Can I ask another so, question real quick then? 
Yeah, go for it. <laughs> what makes the graphite design Tor ADDI so good, Chris? Why is it why is it like different than other Tiger shafts? Woods. Why do I like it so Tiger much? Woods. Other other Tiger than Woods. Tiger played it. Because sometimes I really think it might be placebo. I'm like, I think I just like it because it's orange and tiger played it. Tiger Woods. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> that's uh, it. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's a good structure. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if it if it wasn't all over the tour, it, it it's obviously a good structure. There's there's no other shaft out there in the graphite design family that's been played more than that orange and white tour ad di oh it's it's just kind of a staple at this point and good feel good feedback it's stable it's stiff hits it high manages spin well oh it's it fits a broad spectrum of players especially at those speeds and that uh, that kind of demographic your tone doesn't sound like you're a big supporter of the, the di not gonna lie to you let's move I, on <laughs> <laughs> it's been out for a while i've i've talked about it for years and years and years it's just one of those things like oh you like to play di okay we'll just stay there then. got and, it understood yeah i can't even imagine how many of these exact conversations you've had yeah, sorry sorry to put that on you today <laughs> didn't mean to bring your energy down we're good i, I need to go get wow. my arnold palmer <laughs> I, I thought the ping palm lock talk was a downer <laughs> I feel like we're we're getting a new low here. <laughs> let's pick it no back way. up. Let's get back to the winners. All right, let's bet. get back to it. So, so Sungjae did make a change to his setup last week. That would be this club, the Titleist T203 iron that he added to the bag. He worked with Titleist Tour Rep JJ Van Wesenbeek on the club. Um, according to JJ, Sungjae was working on his lie angles early in the week. And they just felt like the gap between his three iron and his four iron was a little bit off. Um, so they were looking to try and get a three iron that kind of closed the the gap a little bit, or I should say widened the gap, made it a little bit more consistent for him. So they found that the T200 in a utility build, utility build being, so you can get the T200 as a set, but you can also get the T200 as a utility product if you want to throw a graphite shaft in which a lot of tour pros do already i have a t200 in the bag with a with a utility build love it um so that's what he did he threw the new one in the in the bag along with titleist t100 four through nine with true temper dynamic gold tour issue x100 shafts his wedges are sm7 48 54 and 60 54 to 60 48 to 54 that's Six degrees. You got to be got to be pretty good when you're when you're going with six degree gaps. Got to be really good. So don't see a lot of tour pros do that anymore. And he has True Temper Dynamic Gold Tour Issue X100 shafts in his wedges. Putter Scotty Cameron Flowback Tour Prototype in a Pro V1X golf ball. Titles through the bag. He is a title staffer. Big surprise there. So that is the winner's bag. With that. Time to make some picks. I don't think I should be making picks anymore, dude. I I'm I'm so I'm bad. so terrible. I'm so terrible. <laughs> First two weeks, trunk slamming situations. We're Do terrible. not just just fade me. I, I feel like I'm turning into Chris now. I'm I'm becoming the auto fade on this that's, podcast. That's where I'm at. 
It's yeah. where every pick that we make is is essentially sending the message to anybody out there that's listening to us to go, oh man, I can't pick that guy. Yeah, well, you Maybe can make it's the also... picks for yourself. Hopefully, hopefully, it's not sending a message to uh, to our wonderful sponsor, BetMGM, that we're uh, that we're terrible prognosticators. Um, <laughs> as as always, the the picks on this podcast are brought to you by BetMGM get into a little bit about what BetMGM is here after we make our picks. Guys, it's CJ Cup. Pretty decent field. Who are you going with? Chris, you go first. I'm trying to bring up the odds right I, now. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying Terse to bring up the odds. ready for this. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't. I, I mean, I can crazy. go with my okay, let me let me let me kick it off here, guys. I've, I've been prepared. Well, you've been oh, recording. There we go. He's been, he's been literally uh, waiting for this all week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with someone who has been in a lot of contention but has never won on American soil. Whoa. Feels like that's going to happen. First time winner this Hunts, week. Not first time winner, first time on American soil, plus oh, 2,500, okay. Louis Ustazen. Louis Ustazen. Uh, Louis, Louis always my always my go-to. He's got some nice odds this week with some of the big boys playing right there. So I'll take him at plus 2,500. There you go. All right. I feel like Colin Morikawa is way too chalk. Like, and it's his home course, but he does it. He stripes the ball so hard. That's not my pick. I'm just reading. It's my, it's my pick. You just gave my pick what? and you gave my reasoning. So I'm taking Morikawa this week. It's his home course. You just snaked my pick. Plus fourteen, you could take the, you and Chris no, I don't want took it. I don't you and want Chris it. take Trilly Z every week together. So why can I not oh, take the I same pick as you? Trilly Z. <laughs> you do. You most definitely oh, yeah. do. No, no. You take Trilly Z. Don't worry, just just embrace it, Chris. You're you're a cheater, just like just like Tursky. <laughs> if he's in the field, I'm taking him. I don't think he's playing though. We got we got. Oh, we didn't even talk about one leg Tursky. We we we've, we've got well, we got somebody here on the IR. Gotten it out with a with a with a broken toe. No comment from Tursky as he's looking at the odds. Uh, listen, listen, I'm a trooper. <laughs> could you tell people? Man, could you tell I, our, I think injury. our listeners would be interested to know how you how you broke your toe. Listen, I've been playing in a very oh, serious tell. flag football league, and there we're we trying go. to get right. we're very trying to get wins serious. out there. No, it's seriously like maybe a little bit too competitive for where I'm at. Like cardiovascular wise <laughs> <laughs> if if there's any uh like six eight three hundred pound people that uh that live near scottsdale arizona we could we could use you on the line because i am getting sacked way too much in these games but yeah we we may be uh working with a broken toe broken wheel i don't know if i'm going to be able to play in the game next week so we might need a quarterback too but let me get, let me get these odds together. I'll, uh, I'll I'll fly in for the game. Oh, I got I got my pick. I'm ready. It's my turn. Yeah, I mean, I think you're the only one who has made a pick. Okay, well, I'm going with Harris English. New new grip. Going with Harris English. Fresh start to the new grip. Start off start off right. He's plus thirty five hundred. I like think the value he's going to have that. Somebody that making a there. making a making a decent pick right there. Plus eighty five hundred. I mean, he's so good at golf. I feel like that's a uh, it's a little underrated in terms of value here. I like it. I like the pick, and I like the reasoning. He's gonna get hot with that putter first round. He's gonna be all fired up. He's gonna be like, "Yes, new grip, new feel." 
Hey, you know what? Hey, hey, guy, he's plus thirty five hundred. You don't don't give yourself an extra plus five, plus thirty five hundred, not plus eighty five. Eighty five. I said thirty five. Run the tape back. Run the tape back. Run the tape back. (laughs) If I said eighty five, I misspoke. I apologize. Thirty five hundred. Plus thirty five. That's I was about to say eighty five, and you're you're definitely taking him. Because the Harrison problem is that Colin Morikawa is absolutely going to win. It's his home course. I like he's, that pick. He's going to put on. A I like show. Colin, and probably at like thirty-two under too. I think people are saying this course might get chewed up. Thirty-two under. I didn't say it. I'm just reporting what other people are saying. Yeah, guys, we're. I'm taking the. the I'm taking the under. Bunches. Now that's a prop you can take on MGM and make some money. Winner yeah, over I'm, thirty. I'm taking the 30, under. There. <laughs> Oh, we got prop bets on BetMGM. <laughs> oh my goodness, winner over thirty-two hundred. Yeah, that would or, or thirty-two under. That would give you some pretty tasty odds because there's no chance. Wow, there's good. a lot of props you can take on BetMGM. Dude, BetMGM has a has a has a plethora of of odds in in different different props. I I am I am impressed. I I kind of was perusing it. There there was a lot going on here. They even have a a bet called the Gimme. Dustin Johnson to finish in the top five, including ties, plus three hundred. You, you can bet on the match. What do you think the odds are? That does sound like a layup. Kepka DeChambeau. Um, I would say Bryson's probably the betting favorite. No, oh, they're 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 both they're both minus one ten. Oh, both minus one ten. Just to pick them. Fair enough. Ooh, they already have odds up for twenty twenty three Ryder Cup too. They already have odds for 2022? 2023. 2023. Oh, 2023. Ryder Cup plays every other year. I don't know what year it is. I don't know what year it is. No. I'm just excited to be in my own house. Team USA is minus 175 to win. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we absolutely waxed, and we have like nine of the top ten players in the world. Kind of just so, depends on uh, the venue. Where yeah. where do they play next year? It's or in, uh, in two years. I just chirped Rome. Chris for saying next year. Oh, dang it! I stepped in it this time. Look, get oh that. yeah, it's in Rome. When in Rome, I'm going. Now we should we should do a little team trip out there. That'd be a good time. Fully equipped goes to Rome. We can make it a whole like docu series. All cut this. Yeah, we can cut this. That's a good idea. I'm gonna stay there. Fully equipped, gone wild. Myself we can sell it. You'll you'll lose me. I'm just gonna go. Just gonna go on a food binge. On a food binge. Yeah. All the things you could do in Rome. Please. Yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna just eat a bunch of food and never come back. I'm just gonna take a little train down to Positano. You guys ever been there? Oh, there you go. Beautiful. Turski, the travel guide. I think we definitely need to make, need to make this trip happen. All uh, right. We are not letting Turski book any of the travel arrangements. We're going <laughs> to yeah. uh, end up in, in the, the shady We're staying in hostels. No, we're yeah, staying in hostels the entire time. Yeah, whatever whatever we can hostel. get for, you know, 20 euros for, you know, <laughs> 20 euros that'll, that'll fit the four of us to go. He's, he's in. Anything over 20 euros is too expensive. <laughs> There's a subway right next door, though, so we got that going for us. Shout out, shout out, Days in. He's staying at the one with the Z in the name. <laughs> yeah, it's Days in. <laughs> with the Z in the name. 
hotels.com special baby let's do it oh my gosh all right well as always if you want to uh if you want to take our picks off the rails I would, I would suggest you don't take our picks but if you do go and uh go over to betmgm and uh and play, place a bet they have a risk-free first wager up to one thousand dollars now the one thousand dollars if you don't win is going to be given back to you in free bets but again they're going to be bet more with a bet mgm anyway use the sign up bonus code fully equipped to get in the game you can download the bet mgm app today this offer is only available to new customers visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years of age or older to wager here we go. It is available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Wyoming, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 1-800-889-9789 in Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. There we go. Bang! One take oh. J-Wall. I'm good at this one. We should, do, we should like fast We should fast forward that a little bit too. Make it, make like it seem do it at like, like oh my, 2x oh speed. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2x speed. Yeah. Like, like, like the pros. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So last topic I wanted to discuss this week, we, we mentioned we might talk about it last week, just ran out of time. I had a chance to test Ping's I-59 irons Ooh. in a, the latest proving ground. Um, I got to say, I was, I was really impressed. And not to say that, that Ping doesn't make good irons. The, the test that I was conducting was one where I kind of figured it was going to be tough to beat my gamers. What I decided to do, I am, uh, I used to be a plus handicap. Hard as that might be to believe, uh, for those that have seen me play, um, <laughs> family, kids, life gets in the way and your handicap balloons. And I'm, I'm probably about a 6.5 now handicap index and Sam play Manny. a set. I was going to say, don't, don't play cash games with that. Stop, yeah. stop. I play, I play a set of Mizuno <laughs> JPX, uh, 919 forged irons. It's, you know, I would say it's a game improvement set. It kind of toes the line between being, you know, better player, but it's definitely not full blown game improvement. Still has some offset, you know, relatively, you know, thin top line, not too, not too, you know, bulky. Good setup. I played throughout the bag, four through pitch. And I played the, the iron set for the last couple of years. I used to change out all the time when I first got into this industry, um, almost a decade ago that I started covering gear, which is just insane. We've been doing and, this too long, Jay. Well, yeah, I've been doing this too long. And so what I learned through that kind of like tour pros getting free gear is you just totally screw yourself up playing new sets of woods and irons every every time you're teeing it up. So I've been playing a lot, that same set of irons for the last couple of years, love them. And I just kind of had this feeling of like, man, I want to play more golf. And I'd like to try and get into like a smaller profile again, but just something with similar forgiveness, which isn't like out of the realm of possibility. We've seen a lot of companies now. I feel like the, even like TaylorMade, like P790 comes to mind as one of those where they've they found, they found a way to make it smaller and a little bit less offset, but you're still getting the tech with that, with that speed foam. <clears throat> so I've been I've been trying to kind of figure it out, and I saw the Ping I-59 come through, and I was like, man, I gotta do a test. So what I did for my test is I tested I-59 against JPX 919 Forged. 
Um, I my, my testing is kind of interesting. I, I don't usually start my iron testing going throughout the set. I like to do initial testing with a five and a seven iron. And the reason being is I, I hit those clubs a lot. And if the turf interaction isn't great, numbers just don't really kind of stack up and, and like looks at address just aren't there. I, it just really doesn't make sense to test the full set. So five and seven iron have been the way that I've tested irons for, for years now. So I did similar builds. The nice thing about the I-59, for, for those that are curious, you can do kind of like like in and out with, with the special, like the secret menu. They have a menu for at ping. So you can do a power spec, which means that you get the irons at two degrees stronger lofts, which that was kind of the way that I wanted to do an apples to apples. So I did power spec in the I-59 to give it identical lofts to my 919 Forge. Same Obon CT-115X shafts. And I went to town and started hitting them. And I will tell you, you know, it was going to be tough to, to beat the, the JPX, but I think that I've found a, a worthy opponent in the I-59. It's, it's certainly going to require more testing, but the one thing that did impress me the most is it's a smaller profile for sure. When you set it down next to the JPX, um, offsets pretty similar blade length, a little bit more compact. So I thought, it's probably not going to be as forgiving. Ball speed maybe a little bit less. Oh, actually ended up g- gaining two yards of carry with the I-59 versus my JPX, which was, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I was pretty impressed with. Spin numbers dropped. I was um, with a five iron. I was about 5,000 spin. Pretty decent. I mean, that's kind of just where you want to be. I was a little bit higher spin with the JPX, even on, even on, you know, what I would consider to be like a center strike, the turf interaction. Now this is one thing where I kind of feel like you, you need, I need to caution people out there. If you are somebody who's like a aspirational single digit, but you struggle with consistent turf interaction, I 59 might not be your jam because the, the, soul widths on the on these compared to like a jpx is pretty thin and you know the nice thing about like a jpx 919 forged is you've got that little bit of additional width that's going to help with the turf interaction if you if you don't get it through the turf just like you want it's not going to keep it it's going to keep it from not digging um i didn't notice any sort of you know negative effects but that was just kind of as i was going through it with these irons that was the one thing that did stick out to me is, you know, the sole width is noticeably thinner. It's great if you're a good player, but if you're kind of one of those, you know, 12 handicaps, maybe you want to like get into these, but just realize you might have to, you know, work with them for a little bit. The interesting part that about the forgiveness is I was only losing about five to seven yards on like slight toe miss hits. Um, the way that I-59 was designed was they were able to use this, um, an aluminum core housed inside the head, which is a third of the density of stainless steel. And they moved a lot of the weight to the perimeter to give it I-210. Now we've talked about I-210. It's a tour, it's a tour product that we've seen Lee Westwood, Terrell Hatton use. Uh, a lot of guys out on tour will play I-210. And I always kind of figured that was more of like a, you know, middle of the road, like handicap, like a 10. But tour pros love it. It's got a little bit of a transitional look to it, but it's got the same forgiveness, I-59, as an I-210. And at the end of the day, I gotta say, I was impressed. Forgiveness felt good. You know, feel, feel, was, feel was good. Sound was really solid. 
it did not it did not sound like I kind of wondered with an aluminum core if it was gonna mess with the sound. It sounds great. It's it's got it's got a really solid feel to it. That was um, my worry. Yeah, yeah. I was the I was sound I was really feel happy. aspect. So it's uh it's certainly as I mentioned in the article, it's it's gonna continue to be tested in the coming weeks. Maybe it bounces JPX from the bag, but yeah, it's it has that forgiveness. If you want to try and go to a smaller profile, you could play us at I-59 instead of JPX 919 Forged and not really notice a, a pretty significant drop-off. And again, I ended up gaining carry yardage. I didn't want to gain too much because I don't want to mess with my carry numbers. But an extra yard or two, I'll take it. J-Wall was just smiling a little bit. I think you might I'm actually happy. be considering a switch. I'm, I'm actually considering a switch. That's, That's awesome. I did not expect that. So if, if you want to read the article, yeah, it's called Proving Ground. It's going to be it's going to be a new staple for us. We've we've yep. rolled out. Tursky did a great one on the Epic Super Hybrid. Um, we've done Proving Grounds on Callaway Jaws Fulto. We did one on the TaylorMade MG3, and I, I feel like these are going to be kind of our our takes on testing with this. And we're not just going to like test it to test it we're going to have a purpose to the test kind of like i said I, I was looking for a smaller profile iron here and like could i-59 fill that fill that role for me and i think i found out that it's got a possibility to fill that role same thing with tursky trying to find a you know a club to maybe bump his three iron out of the bag so there's always going to be a purpose to these tests and they'll always be first person so they'll be for myself for tursky kind of giving our takes and uh we'll keep it going lots of new gear coming it's about to next get busy. up Next up, going to be the the old Baffler Seven Wood from nineteen nineteen eighty. Apex. I think you got an Apex UW in your future. Oh yeah, and an Apex UW. Yeah, I got some testing to do. Luckily, it's my left big toe that's broken. Doesn't affect my swing at all. I, ah, you I, don't even need I it. I sit back that's on my fine. left heel. Makes no difference to me. Yeah, you're going you to need. need that you're going to need toe. that speed for next week, bud. Still, like I said, it just literally doesn't affect me at all. Like I can't walk, but I can swing literally fine. Yeah, yeah it's fine. We're we, good. We've got we've got something fun coming up next week. Tursky and I are going to Austin to hang with a with a big bomber. Big bomber. We're going to be humble. The biggest. We're going to be hum- We're going to be humble. Some, some would argue the biggest bomber in the world. There we go. So there's there's your uh, there's your hint on who we might be uh, hanging out with next week. So I think that does it. Do you guys have anything else for this week? Or should we just call it? I think we covered a lot. There was a couple yeah. rants. There was a couple yeah. plugs. That was we, I told you, we weren't, we weren't we going to need, out, we we need an interview. Arnold Palmer, Spike, yeah. Yeah. for Harris. For Harris English's part. We had a, we had so, a ceremony. That was, that was a lot. There was a lot to cover in uh, episode 112. But, uh, but I think we got through all of it. As always, if you are looking for more gear news, check us out on social media. We're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram, at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. Do I even bring up the TikTok anymore? Have we done anything recently? I've nah. posted one we'll, video. We'll get some. We'll get some stuff next oh. week in Austin. We'll, we'll we'll do a little bit of TikTok next week. We're we're at Fully okay. Equipped Golf. That's on fair. TikTok. And, we should uh, do some TikTok out. challenges out there. I'd like to do TikToks from. PJ tour events like showing guys bags but you're not allowed to take video out there yeah oh, I don't want to get in trouble on. don't want to get in trouble we'll, we'll we'll get some content next week when we're in Austin that'll be fun and next proving ground I'll, I'll try to put on TikTok we'll see yeah 
Maybe, maybe Tursky and I. I got, I got to make a trip to Scottsdale. We got, we got to, we got to do some joint content. We will, we will next week in Austin. So I guess for now, Instagram is really the spot for all our. Content. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, fully equipped golf on Instagram. Tursky's been posting photos like crazy. He's got photos of Harris English's putter grip, uh, Adam Scott's irons. It's, it is, it is the place for for all the the latest goings on from from tour, and we'll post some additional content there. So, as always, thanks for listening. See you next week.